You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another very interesting podcast of Ask Drone You. In this week's news edition... That's right, we're a little late because, well, we like holidays and we like vacations. And if you're not taking them, well, you should be too. But we're excited to be back here. I'm sitting here, as always, with the Flying Dutchman, my friend. Happy belated Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm glad that you crossed the oceans to enjoy such a great holiday with us. Hey, thank you, Paul, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Glad to be back on the show and get this drone news out, uh, out to everybody. Yeah, this is definitely going to be an interesting one as we just jump right into the first story. Which has really caught the industry, if not the internet, by storm. As the FAA has proposed a almost $185,000 fine on a drone pilot in Philadelphia, which has a lot of people taking sides, whether this is good for the drone industry as the FAA sends a message of enforcement. And some people are arguing, well, this is why we should all be commercial. But before we get into all of those arguments and kind of look at the past and see where those thoughts have taken us before, let's get the story. So, Haya, taking us to the birthplace of democracy in Philadelphia. What happened here? How did someone rack up a six-figure fine here, Haya? Yeah, uh, it's it's quite the story. I mean, uh, some of our viewers might have uh, come across this guy's YouTube channel. His name, by the way, is Mikey, and he runs the uh, Philly Drone Life YouTube channel. And he's a very colorful, outspoken, uh, enthusiastic, almost over-the-top enthusiastic person who flies his drones. I believe it's actually mostly the uh, the DJI Mavic Mini, so a small drone as well. And he flies them uh, over uh, Philadelphia, and you get to see the amazing skyline of the city. And his drone flights are awesome, except for the fact that some of them he live streamed, and in some of them he breaks rules. For instance, apparently he broke the rule that you're not allowed to fly over 400 feet or beyond visual line of sight. Although I don't think that one is actually officially mentioned, but either way, things like flying in rain, fog uh, are mentioned as well. So I suspect that he might have ignored warnings from the FAA, because typically when the FAA reaches out to somebody because of illegal or potentially illegal drone flying, they would reach out with an educational purpose, right? I mean, they would either send you a letter and they would make that phone call and say, hey, listen up, I know you fly drones, but these are the rules and you should be flying responsibly as safely and as we all know. However, in reality, and I think we all know this as well, there are plenty of videos out there and probably plenty of drone flights that have taken place where people weren't always following the letter of the law. Um, people might have been flying a little further than beyond line of sight, or they might have broken at 400 feet elevation or altitude restriction, if you will. So there's a lot of videos out there. However, what sets this person apart is that he has such a large number of these videos and a big part of them he live streamed as well. And what I've heard from uh, a legal expert is that once you live stream it, now you don't only just have the information of the flight showing where you might have broken uh, FAA rules, but it also showed the telemetry and it showed the date. 
So now they can actually pinpoint exactly. And I think in some of the videos, actually the drone pilot is visible. So basically everything you would need to make a case uh, as being the FAA is basically handed to them on a silver platter. And I'm not sure exactly what happens. I mean, Mikey apparently got his first letters uh, some time ago. The FAA has been looking at a, uh, a period from, I believe it's November last year, so 2019, all the way until August uh, 2020. And he must have ignored either previous letters or warnings, but either way, at some point the FAA supposedly or seemingly at least got fed up with him, sent him a letter with 123 infractions of him breaking FAA drone regulations. And for every single infraction, he was basically fined $1,500. Now the exact amount is not the $184,500 mentioned, but it's $182,004. not that it matters much at that point, I guess. I mean, it's a it's a tremendous amount. Uh, these are proposed civil penalties. So this is not a criminal case. These are also not the final penalties. Mikey has until December 5th uh, to officially respond. So we'll have to wait to see what the final outcome is going to be. Um, as to what have triggered the FEA in this case, I can only... Um, speculate, but I suspect it has to do with the fact that he was live streaming these videos and that he has so many of them in combination with potentially having ignored previous warnings from the FAA. So I think this is like your classic case of the FAA looking to make an example out of somebody to show that the uh, the agency does in fact have teeth and that if you keep breaking drone rules, eventually they will come after you. So I I hope that uh, Mike is going to be able to work out something more reasonable with the FAA. $182,000 seems uh, seems very much on the high end, especially when we all know that uh, probably everybody who flies a drone at some points is very likely to have broken one or two rules. Uh, I'm not saying that we're all like Mikey. I mean, obviously, he had many drone flights and he put them in, uh, in videos on YouTube. But still, that's uh, that's the story in a nutshell, Paul. So kind of speaking about this story, there was another uh, piece of news that kind of came out in conjunction with this that I think kind of adds to your argument, and I wanted to bring it up, which is there was another YouTuber who brought up that the FAA in writing has said that if you post drone photos on social media, that it's considered a quote-unquote commercial activity. And so I know that this guy, uh, Mikey, he's been on other YouTubers shows. He's had an opportunity to be interviewed by many people to tell his story. But it seems like there's more to this story here, Haya, because just as you mentioned just a second ago, that a lot of people have probably broken the rules, right? Well, with that quote unquote finding of the FAA that anyone, any hobbyist posting photos to social media is considered now a commercial pilot and then thus, you know, stuck to a higher set of rules. You know, and you, and you mentioned how many people have just broken the rules. Well, if we take that, it seems like millions and millions of people have broken the rules, but it doesn't really seem like it's the argument to justify breaking the rules egregiously. Now, before we get into this more, there's more to this story right here, Haya, because, I mean, you wrote an article. Some have told me that the article had a kind of positive tone towards this pilot. And after you and I talked about this, um, it seems like that may have lit up a firestorm, which actually it did. Uh, as I've seen some of the comments that people are saying, this guy should be commercial. It should do this. It should do that. What, what's the full story here, Haya? Because it really seems like there's more to this story. 
Well, it's, it's hard to know all the details because there are so many videos. Uh, I mean, you'd have to watch every single one of those videos, which I guess the FEA must have done. You would also have to review all the letters or the infractions that he has received from the FEA. I don't have time to watch all those videos. I've seen a few. I think I've seen enough. Somebody read parts of the uh, infractions in the letters from the FEA to me. I don't know all of them. I've spoken to Mikey to get his version of the story. He's overwhelmed. I don't think he fully understands perhaps all the drone rules. He doesn't have a part 107 uh, license, so he never studied the rules as he probably should have. Uh, however, the FAA argues that since his channel is monetized, he qualifies as a part 107 pilot even more. They actually say that unless you fly recreationally, you will be a part 107 pilot. Doesn't matter if you have the certificate, yes or no. Now, this is a whole separate discussion that we're actually looking into as we speak to find out what exactly qualifies somebody as a commercial drone pilot. Going back to Mikey's case, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are upset. I mean, and, and I think we've already known this, right? I mean, you have people that come from the more traditional aviation side, or you have people that fly uh, RC model airplanes, people have, who have always been very much by the rule and by the book. And then on the flip side, you have people that run to Best Buy, they get a DJI Mavic Mini or a Mini 2, and they just walk out the store and start flying immediately without having any knowledge uh, of the drone rules. So I think the spectrum is very wide. A lot of the comments that I received from this article, I think were from people that know the rules very well and probably are very safe and responsible drone pilots going by the letter of the law, if you will. I think on the flip side, you have those recreational pilots and I suspect that that's the, the place where Mikey got started with his drones. He told me that he has had a, uh, a rough time in his life uh, in the past, no need to go into all of that. But anyway, drones, to him were like his salvation, he says. Uh, it was for him an outlet, a way to get his life back on track. And in that sense, I kind of feel sorry for him because he's now, of course, overwhelmed by all these infractions from the FEA. He's got a fine on his plate that he most likely can't afford, especially when you start adding up all the legal fees. So in that sense, I feel sorry for him for the position that he got himself into. On the flip side, I think if you if you see how drones are being sold right now, um, I mean, some people, of course, are educated. They know what they want. They know the product that they're looking for. They get the drone. They already know the rules. Uh, those people are not the issue in this case. I think it's more on the flip, on the other side, where you have consumers that say, hey, drone, cool uh, Christmas present or whatever. They run to Best Buy. They pick up their Mavic Mini or their Mini 2 now, and they go out and they start flying. And I think this story, Mikey's story, in that sense, is a great example of the lack of education. And I, in that sense, I kind of look to the FAA because I think they could probably do a much better job educating people. Right now, if you buy a drone, there really isn't a flyer or some kind of sticker that says, hey, you should be learning these rules and you need to know these rules before you fly. So unless you, you hear this from somebody else or unless you're more an inquisitive person, you go online, you do your research and you actually find out the rules, um, my suspicion is that a lot of people just don't know the drone rules. And I'm not saying that, that, that those people are right. I mean, obviously they're wrong. I think there's an opportunity for all of us to do a much better job educating people that are new to this hobby or to this profession. And I think if you look at Mikey, I think he started at the consumer end. He probably started just buying a drone, started flying, uh, then he discovered YouTube, posted his videos, and he had some success. And yeah, he got enthusiastic about that. But he never bought it, apparently, to get his part 107. And he clearly doesn't understand all the rules and the responsibility that come with flying an aircraft. Doesn't matter if it's a drone. I think this is an important point because it seems like the market dynamics have actually set 
up people to fail. I mean, should we really expect him to know the rules when drones are sold alongside handheld cameras that you can just pick up and go, you know, take photos with? It's a First Amendment right. And so it really makes you wonder, at what point is the market set up for drone pilots to fail? And the FAA was granted money by Congress for education, but a large majority of it went to AUVSI, which we all know how uh, useful and efficient they are. And that being said, I think that education is still a very big deal. And I think it also goes to show why this is so important because as the FAA is about to drop and hyper or supercharge remote ID, expecting everyone to follow it, we have much deeper issues to solve and they continue oh, yeah. to be ignored, yet the snowball keeps going on. And Haya, if we use history as a predictor, once again, let's look at the CB radio. The same type of fight went on for five, 10 years and they finally said, everyone's got to register their CB radio. No one does it, right? So at the end yeah. of the day, society Society ultimately controls what is law. And I hope that some people watch this show and say, hey, maybe we need to really look at how things are set up right now, because the argument is he should be a commercial pilot. Have we not learned that argument is futile before? I mean, even me, four or five years ago, right? Let's make everyone commercial. It solves the problem, blah, 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 blah. Well, what about the kids who want to fly? What about AMA? What about the old guys who are just flying RC? You know, we're nixing all of them, which is more people than there are drone pilots. What about FPV? You know, have we not actually created and hurt ourselves as a drone industry by trying to divide the hobbyists and the commercial pilots. And that's why at Drone You, we've had this fundamental shift this year where it's like, you know what, we, there is no divide because at the end of the day, we all started from the same place. And Peter Dis from Easy Aerial, he's always been the proponent of this and he's right. We all started with drones for one reason, yeah, they're fun to fly. They're fun to fly. However, one thing I do want to say, though, um, so even if even if in this case, Mike, you started out as a consumer not being fully aware of all the rules, I think uh, once you're contacted, and I don't know exactly what happened in his case, but I'm assuming he was contacted before. Uh, that's what I've heard, at least. Once you're being contacted by the FAA, then you know you need to do something. You either change your ways or you have to learn the rules or you have to change the way you fly your drones. You can't keep going. And if he was indeed uh, repeatedly contacted by the FAA and he ignored them, I don't know if that's true, but if he did and if then it results in such a hefty fine, that's a different ballgame. Uh, the point I just wanted to make is that I think in general for people getting into this hobby, the FAA can do a better job, but I think us as a community can do a better job as well as getting those people up to speed and telling them the rules and the things that they can and cannot do. Yeah, and just and allow people to have fun and explore while doing it. But I think, yeah. it, you know, the I understand the empathy argument for Mikey because at the end of the day, we're all human and who wants to essentially be the um, – the symbol of all the problems that are wrong in the drone industry that have been ignored year after year after year after year. You know, I, I feel bad for them. But again, if you are repeatedly being egregious, if you are not, um, uh, I mean, I guess the word is cooperative, even though I don't like to say that, but it's kind of true. If you're not cooperative, then it's easy to understand why the FAA may want to send a message here. Um, it, I'm just not really sure, you know, what the message is. Uh, because 
you know, again, I, I just I'm not really sure what the message is here, Haya. And, you know, going into this argument regarding, you know, hobbyists and commercial pilots, and we've kind of talked about how the more data that the FAA has, the more information that they have, that the more our economy or our vertical and drones is going to be eroded because just as AirMap tried to with noflyzone.org control access to airspace and then paying hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to try to control access to airspace yeah. and now access to airspace is controlled via Lance. People are paying money to access Lance. Some are not, some are. Uh, the good services cost money though. Okay, why is this important? Well, because New York City has decided that hey, drone pilots are making money. We got to we got to we got to make our cut off of that here, Haya. So the arguments that we've been making for years, please help us understand the denouement. Yeah, this is an interesting one because um so so let's start at the beginning. Uh, I think it's 1984 uh, 1948. I was going to say 84. <laughs> we have to go way we have to go way back, guys. This is not <laughs> an Orwell reference, is it? No. <laughs> 1948, the administrative code 10-126. That's the rule or the law in the uh, city of New York, including the boroughs, that says you cannot take off and land an aircraft within the city limits. Uh, unless it's a designated uh, area from the Department of Transportation, also known as the uh, Port Authority here in New York. So that means, of course, the, the regular airports, JFK, LaGuardia, those things, uh, you have the helipads. But basically anywhere else, you're not allowed to fly any kind of aircraft. Now, for the people who fly drones, there are five designated parks. None of them are in New York City. They're all outside of New York. And there's there's nothing really interesting to see or fly there. So a lot of people obviously don't fly there. People want to fly in New York because New York is cool with all the buildings and then all the stuff that's going on. Also for film industry documentaries, people have been wanting to fly their drones in New York City. Now, up till now, that has pretty much been a no-go. And I think the only people that actually fly are either the, uh, what is it, the fire department and the NYPD. I think those are the only two organizations that regularly fly drones uh, in the city. Actually, it got to the point that for movies, they actually go to places like uh, Chicago and L.A. to fly drones to get the shots that they need because they can't, even those guys with money basically can't get it done in New York City. Now, we had about a year ago, I think it was, where a piece of a building of the building facade came down close to New, uh, Times Square in New York and accidentally killed somebody. And since then, the uh, voices for allowing drones to at least do the building inspections that are mandatory in New York City, and typically they would put up scaffolding and they use binoculars and, and they use people going up and down those scaffolds to inspect those buildings. You could do that work obviously much faster for the most part with drones. So since that accident last year, more people have been saying, okay, maybe we should think about using drones to do these building inspections. And there's been a proposal as well, but even that didn't get much traction, it seems. Now, on the other hand, uh, New York City, their finance department figured out that if you use drones, you can also use these devices to help you to collect property taxes. And sure enough, it seems that this might be uh, the thing that was that, that might actually change this decades old law and uh, might possibly start allowing drones in the city. Uh, because listen to these numbers. There are one million properties and they are worth combined one point three trillion U.S. dollars and they generate about twenty seven billion in taxes every year. 
So there's a lot of money here on the table, basically. So if they can do their work more efficiently, more accurately by using drones and, and getting basically the, the latest information on all these properties, yeah, that will bring uh, money into the cash register for, for uh, the city of New York. So that might actually be the, the argument that might change this decade-old law. We'll see. Honestly, it would be really interesting to see which way this goes because there's a very, very unique and interesting story that's analogous to this here in Albuquerque. Here in the desert southwest, the family is number one. Even though it's a very, very liberal um, state, the family is number one overall. It's the only culture in the entire United States that I have witnessed that puts family above political party. And it's actually awesome. Um, But that being said, family over everything. Well, Hispanic families tend to be a little bit larger, unless you're Mormon, uh, than the standard American family. Okay, what does this mean? There's a lot of casitas. There's a lot of in-law. We call them casitas. I guess on the East Coast, you would call them like in-law quarters or little in-law suites or apartments or whatever. So people build these, these separate homes in their backyard. Well, I think it was 20 years ago, the city of Albuquerque tried taxing people for all those new casitas that were being built because they were not being reported to planning and building department. Okay, well, the law got passed that they were going to go ahead and tax everyone who had built a casita and not notified the city or the state. Well, the people of Albuquerque went nutso. And the (laughs) law, even though it passed, it's never, ever, ever enforced because no one will get reelected. And so it's really interesting. I want to remind people of that because I think people oftentimes forget that they really do have the power if, if in a collective. And I also think that's why the FAA has tried to divide us since the beginning. And so long story short here is just another example of how You know, money controls all things. And we'll let drones fly if we can make money off of it, right? And so at some point, we have got to stand up for Canadian economics, man. We've got to stand up for the Sherman Act, right? Which is, you know, the Sherman Act. No, anybody? Okay, the Sherman Act, when any government or private institution tries to conspire uh, to essentially inhibit other people from competing. That is what we call anti-competitive. It's a violation of the Sherman Act. Anyway, long story short is at what point are some of these old laws because of the new definitions of aircraft, because of the new definitions of navigable airspace, because of all this, you know, these new developments, um, you know, it really makes you question Do these things need to be revisited? Because Rob and I did a show about what is navigable airspace. And one of the main premises that the FAA did was they essentially said, look, there's always going to be someone in the airplane. Thus, they don't want to crash because they don't want to die. And that's literally one of the fundamental premises of every law on the books regarding airspace. That time has changed. It's time to really review these laws in, I would ask, a libertarian fashion. Uh, because, you know, when people can't make money, everyone hurts. And at what point, yeah, I'm getting too philosophical. All right, let's get into our next story. Here, here, hang on. It's (laughs) it's good to keep going on this a little bit, though, because, so as far as we know, New York City is the only city with such a rule or law in place that uh, prevents you from taking off and landing any kind of aircraft within the limits or city limits unless it's a designated and authorized area. However... If you go to the other side, let's say, okay, now all of a sudden drones would be allowed in New York City. I mean, 
that'd be that'd be sketchy as well, right? Because you have so many people there outside of Corona times, of course. You have a lot of helicopters. There's a lot of airplanes. You have a lot of tall buildings, high rises, skyscrapers. So you're gonna have uh, GPS interference. I mean, if we get people that say, hey, I'm gonna just fly my drone next to Central Park and get some awesome shots. I mean, it might also be the worst city to to just allow drone uh, drones to fly as well. So I don't know what kind of solution they're gonna come up with, but I could see that uh, whatever they're gonna allow still comes with a lot of restrictions and precautions uh, built in. Gotcha, yeah. Um... I'm not sure what to say here, Haya. Um, all I will say is that drone pilots, if we want the freedom to fly, we got to unify. It's just that simple. And at the end of the day, the FAA has to learn how to fly in order to teach how to fly. It's also that simple. Just follow the rules of Einstein and you'll be okay. That brings us to our next story, which is common sense. Not the document that you should read that highlights your rights of America. No, no, no. I'm talking about the next story, which is one drone pilot has saved almost 500 lives with a single drone. I got that wrong. High is like, no, you're totally you wrong. You got that wrong. Yeah. You got that wrong. But, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hyatt, correct me well, here. We need mo more moments like this in news. I'm wrong. Let's evolve. What's right? As far as we know, or basically as far as DJI has been able to track we know that at least 500 people's lives have been saved with the direct help of drones. So this was not, let's say, uh, a rescue operation where a drone was brought along but never flown. This is uh, only the cases where a drone made a significant impact to the outcome of the rescue operation. And based on uh, reports from first responders, police departments, uh, local media, but verified reports, DJI has now been able to at least um, verify that 500 people have been saved directly uh, with the help of drones, which is which is a big deal. It is a big deal, but Haya, I was just using the rules of marketing new drones and the hype machine. <laughs> all right, well, you want to chip in there still and finish that train of thought? No, or? not at all. I'm just actually really happy that drones do save lives. It's proven. It's not hard. Uh, actually brings uh, up a shameless plug, by the way. Our search and rescue landing pads finally came in, and we are giving away our search and rescue class to anyone in public safety. You just have to buy a landing pad. Now, that will make sense because if you do any search and rescue, you want the landing pad. So you have swatches to pick out to search for clothing, common clothes like jeans, khakis, etc. So um, check that out. It is online now. Um, but Haya, that brings us to our next story here, which is uh, actually kind of cool because it's a story that I'm working on, which is if you're a new drone pilot, should you learn to fly FPV or should you learn to fly like a Mini 2? Which brings us to our next story, which it looks like DJI or someone has leaked the first video from the new... DJI FPV drone. Did I get that right, Haya? It seems so. Yeah, I think you got that right. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> this video was posted by DJI. So, and it seems to be a teaser video. It's a, a single shot, basically, of what's, what must be a FPV drone. They kind of staged a pit stop. There's a Porsche 911 uh, souped up with a race team around it, trying to, uh, or working on the vehicle. And from a corner, this drone kind of swoops in and flies around and among the, the pit crew. And the way it's banking the turns and the way it maneuvers, and some of the video, I think, has been sped up. So it's, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. You don't 
really see a reflection or a shade that would tell you that this, in fact, is a drone. However, if you look at all the teaser things that DJI has done in the past, uh, this one seems to fit right in. Now, this came out a couple of days ago, and it's interesting because we still think that there is a good chance that DJI might actually launch this drone before Christmas. Uh, it's not a 100% guarantee at all, but uh, there are plenty persistent rumors that DJI might still launch their FPV drone. And we've seen photos of the controller and we've seen uh, blurred out photos of the drone as well. So we're pretty sure it's legit, but there's a good chance it might still come out this year. So uh, they better hurry up because, of course, if you want to get it out before Christmas, you have to give people some time to actually go to the store or buy it online and get it shipped. So um, I think if, if they're going to release it, it would have to be within the first two weeks of December. Otherwise, I think you're getting too close to Christmas to actually be able to sell enough of them. Uh, but yeah, it seems that it's on its way and it's uh, it's exciting for sure. Well, I think that is actually really exciting, honestly. Hi, I'm excited. I haven't been excited for a new drone in a while. I'm hoping to see DJI put a gimbaled camera on an FPV drone because I think it would be so powerful. And then let's take it to the, what's going to be DJI FPV version 2? Hyper slow-mo, 1,000 frames yeah. a second, HFS from Sony. We're going to see it here, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a matter of time. So anyway, hi. Well, that's really exciting. And uh, the next piece of news is something that I find really cool. It's something that I have personally been wanting to do uh, if I ever retire from this industry, which is to digitize the world. I would like to see historical sites mapped so that we have a record of them in case they're ever damaged. Which brings us to this next story. As someone is trying to map prehistoric paintings in the Amazon, but they might need a drone to do it. Yeah, and before we dive into that story, it's a good point that you make. Because in the Middle East with, uh, with ISIS, they've destroyed plenty of uh, historic uh, buildings, old temples and ruins that were there. A lot of what they broke down basically ended up being sold on the black market. So I totally hear you when you say it would have been amazing if we would have been able to capture those in 3D with drones and map them out. So at least even though in real life they might not be fully existent anymore, at least we know what they looked like. This story brings us to Colombia. Um, to get there, it's uh, already from a remote part, a two hour drive and a four hour trek. But then what happens is you end up at this cliff site and it's, it's, a, it's a stretch of cliffs that goes on for miles and miles. And they found tens of thousands of uh, drawings and paintings on these cliff walls. And it's an amazing find. They've never really found such a large collection of prehistoric drawings anywhere in the world, they say. And it's interesting because on these drawings, they show animals that no longer exist. Animals that if you trace back when they would have existed, you're going back like uh, 12 and a half thousand years back in time. So these drawings are super old. They're buried deep within the uh, Amazon rainforest. And they say that they, they suspect that back then in those days, the rainforest might not have been there. It might have been more like a savanna type of environment. The photos I've seen are amazing. I mean, you have these high cliff walls, they're all decorated. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. And basically in order to study uh, these drawings, they're gonna need, you guessed it, they're gonna need drones because you can't really get up there that high. And you can't just simply build scaffolding and, and lean up against those cliffs because you might damage some of the other drawings. So drones are probably gonna play uh, quite a big role in, in studying these. And they said that there are so many drawings, it's probably gonna take generations basically to, to get the full understanding of, of what's out there, how many are out there, what do they mean, and, and what's shown in all those drawings. So I think it's fascinating. Uh, we've seen 
over the last couple of years, we've seen more cases where drones, especially combined with LiDAR, have been able to, to help make yeah, amazing discoveries uh, of all these old places that nobody knew even existed. So we're going to keep an eye out on this one. The cool thing is, is that um, in December, they're going to release a documentary. It's called Jungle Mystery, Lost Kingdoms of the Amazon. And in that documentary, they're actually going to show these drawings as well. So uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. Keep an eye out for that. And yeah, it's cool to know that drones are involved in things like this as well. You know what? I got to say, I'm jealous of Indiana drones because he's already on the exploration uh, forefront. Yeah. And But it does also illuminate a very good point. You know, you kind of alluded to LiDAR has, you know, really helped us find new places. But this is a phenomenal example where LiDAR wouldn't have done any good. And it's also a great yeah. example that we need you know, dual technologies, one technology doesn't solve every problem, you know? So I think it's a really good example that we've found new places thanks to LIDAR. And now with photogrammetry, we're being able to better understand them. So I think it's a really cool example. And what I love is that drones are a tool to help us better understand the world that we live in. And yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I just think about how much. And is- I, I think what's crucial in that as well is that when drones become more capable and they become less expensive and, and widely available to people, what you find is that people are going to use these instruments or these devices in different ways, right? Some some people use drones to help somebody find a dog that's lost. Somebody takes a drone out and they find the prehistoric paintings that, or they, they're going to use these drones to study these paintings. Like drones are being used in so many different ways. And I think if you go back a few years in time, most people probably did not foresee that this was about to happen, that people were going to take this technology and then basically run with it and come up with all these awesome ideas. I mean, we know they're using drones to capture the, the snots that a will exhales so they can actually study the health of a will. I mean, who, whoever thought of that use case for drones, right? Or the fact that you can suck VOCs into a tube in the Amazonian rainforest and determine how much rain you're going to get that month. <laughs> Anyway, oh, if only the FAA knew what was capable, but you know what? Uh, Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show today. Haya, I do want to say thank you. We did skip over the story that a drone pilot found their lost uh, pup who had been missing over a week. That is a very heartwarming story, and I would like to invite all of you to check out Haya's website, dronexl.co. And as I've been telling people for over a decade, because I have a .co web address too, it's just .co. <laughs> anyway. Um, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Haya, for years, even when I met you, I was like, my email is at ridemedia.co, you know? and everyone's like dot com i'm like no nope so (laughs) anyway hi well thank you for joining me again today it's always fun to have these uh these conversations to really delve both sides uh on each topic it's a lot of fun awesome my pleasure and uh, let's do the next show soon again yeah we're gonna have to get back in our rhythm which uh thank you again for joining us as always everyone if you found the show useful or fun, give us a give us a little like. Give us a little bit of love. We do appreciate it. Leave us a review and smash that subscribe button. I uh, do want to say thank you to everyone who has supported us uh, since the beginning. It has been a lot of fun and continues to be fun because Haya, as I'm about to write, I think we're in the golden age of drones. Oh, for sure. For sure. We're just scratching the surface with this stuff. For sure. Now, whether the golden age continues or not, That shall be decided on December 26th.
<laughs> anyway, hi. Thanks again, buddy. Hey, take care. Thank you, man. All right, bye-bye. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.